week's newscast is sponsored by the American Cancer Society. The American Cancer Society fights cancer on all fronts by funding breakthrough cancer research and offering cancer patients the resources, services, and support they need now. Join us and help lead the fight against cancer. Learn more at cancer.org. On this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast, We spoke with a panel of four women about the topic of women's health and breast cancer. Our panel included Joni Wickham, breast cancer survivor and co-founder at Wickham James Strategies and Solutions, Bridget Williams, breast cancer survivor and executive director of the Heavy Constructors Association of Greater Kansas City, Emily Calmer, Missouri Government Relations Director at the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network, and Jan Thomas, Executive Assistant for Hogan Prep and 2019 Portrait of Hope for the American Cancer Society. The panel discusses the resources available at the American Cancer Society, obstacles women face to receive care, accessibility and affordability of treatment, the importance of women prioritizing their health, and personal stories of overcoming breast cancer. Jan Thomas begins this week's podcast by telling us her journey in fighting breast cancer. In 2015, and what I've discovered is that as women, we take care of everybody else. We take care of husbands, kids, cars, dogs, cats, the neighbors. We never really take time for ourselves. And so in 2015, I decided it was the year of me. I just turned 55, and I was thinking, you know what? It's time to take care of me. In February, I had a physical with my OBGYN, and she said, let's have a mammogram. I said, I've never had one. And she said, well, you need one. I said, no, they're fine. I like them. They're fine. There's no problem. (laughs) And she said, no, you've got to go. And so she walked me over to the center at Shawnee Mission for Women's Health where they did the mammogram. And the lady said, oh, you got kind of dense breasts. I said, well, if you mean they're fat, yeah, okay, no problem. (laughs) But because I'm thinking that's what it meant. And so she said, well, we're going to do it and we'll call you with any results. And so they called me and told me they found something that looked suspicious, but because they were dense, it was probably just the way the tissue looked or whatever. And I went in and they did a biopsy and I went on about my business and about three or four weeks later, they called me at work and they said, I'm sorry, you have cancer. I told her, I don't have cancer, you have the wrong number. And I hung up on her and she (laughs) called me back. And she said, no, you really have cancer. We need to get you on. I said, lady, I don't have cancer. You have the wrong person. I called my sister-in-law who works at KU and she's been there for years. And she said, well, what did they say? I said, well, they said I had cancer. And she just went dead silent. And she said, well, we'll take care of it. So she arranged my whole treatment plan because I'm still in a state of shock. I'm thinking we're going to be fine. It's just a little spot. They made a mistake, but they didn't make a mistake. I did have cancer. I went to see Jamie Wagner at KU and she said, we're going to do our own tests. We'll do this. We'll do that. And they did that and discovered that I had spots in two different places. And I said, so what does that mean? Can we do a lumpectomy or do I have to lose my breast? And she said, well, I think we can do a lumpectomy, but I can never do things just simple. I can never just go in, they snip it, cut it out, and I go on about my business. I have to have this whole difficult process. And I call the Wednesdays Woeful Wednesdays because every Wednesday they call me with bad news. You know, the first Wednesday they call and said, well, we have to do another biopsy. And I ended up having what I call the Jiffy Loop biopsy, where they lay you on this table and your breast is hanging through this hole and this guy's underneath and he's digging around and I'm bawling because I haven't had anything to eat. 
And all I could think was, can I at least get an Oreo cookie from somebody? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so they gave me, you know, they finally let me up and they said, well, we can't find it. I said, well, then that must be the cancer's gone. Give me my bra. Give me my shirt. I'm going home. And he said, no, we got to keep looking. Well, thank God I had the presence of mind to stay and keep plugging away because they did find it and it resulted in a mastectomy. Now, like I said before, I liked my girls. I thought they were perfect. But obviously, one of them didn't like me. And so I called my tumors Greta and Ethel. It ended up being removed in April of 2015. And the whole time, I just kept thinking about, I have an 18-year-old son who's graduated from high school, and I'm not going to see him graduate. Nobody had told me I was dying, but the little bit of knowledge that you have about cancer before you're diagnosed and you get into it with all the research and learning all the statistics, that little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Thank God Dr. Wagner said, I want you to stop looking at the computer. Call me or call the American call the American Cancer Society. That's literally what they told me. Call people that know the real answers instead of the internet and you put your own interpretation on it. And so for me, it was a time of uncertainty. It was a time of fear. And if you know anything about family dynamics, women are always the strongest people in the house. My son and husband were absolutely no use. I mean, they, they, you know, if I was having a bad day, I couldn't cry because if I cried, they cried. I, so I had to be like, okay, I'm okay. But in reality, I wasn't okay. It was painful from the standpoint, I didn't know what the future was going to hold. So when they called me and told me they were removing my breast, I was like, okay, what else could go wrong? They discovered it wasn't in my lymph nodes. So I didn't have to have chemo radiation. But they removed the breast in April. I had the reconstructive surgery in November. Now that, although it was painful, was the best thing that could have ever happened because they used my own body fat to rebuild my breast. And for the first time since my son was born, I didn't have a pooch stomach. I was like, <laughs> I can see the floor. <laughs> this is really good. Okay. You know, but... I wouldn't recommend going that route to get there, <laughs> but, but it, it was okay. I mean, and, and thank God you have people that are there to walk with you in that journey, to offer you support from the treatment team, from calling the American Cancer Society at crazy times of the night, and they were able to offer a comfort. But what I will say is cancer saved my life. And when I say that, because it caused me to think about taking care of me and putting me ahead of somebody else for once and not feeling guilty about it. And what it did, I tell people that I'm living my best life because I got the diagnosis early. I was able to escape chemo and radiation and that's only by the grace of God for real. But what it is is early detection. That is truly the key. That is what matters. And as women, we have to remember, it's okay to take care of us and to look for those things because I didn't have any symptoms. There was nothing to indicate that there was something foreign or mm -hmm. alien growing in my body. It was just going for a checkup, do the mammogram, there it is. As women, we have to remember that. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to look to see about what makes us tick, know your body, know the, the self-exams because I did those. I didn't feel any lumps. They just weren't there. More in-depth testing is what discovered it. And so that's what I'm saying. I'm all about early detection. And I will always tell people, you need to have it checked out early. Because I just turned 60 in September, and I am living my best life.
I do anything that I want to do that is legal (laughs) (laughs) and enjoy doing it. I mean, because that's what we have to do as women. You know what I'm saying? Because Mm -hmm. we just, we get beat up at work. We get beat up at home. You get home, there's laundry, there's cooking, there's, you know, we just got a puppy, so I'm chasing behind the puppy. But I had to make time for me. So it's time for the facials, the manicures, the pedicures, the eyelashes, the hair, whatever I want to do to make me feel good about me. And I'm not saying it's about the material things because it's not just about the material things. Because cancer did truly save my life because what it caused me to do was stop and take a look and then do some reevaluation and get on the track and on the plan that God had for my life. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I appreciate that. I think it's very important to highlight prioritizing women's health and just prioritizing yourself as you're saying, um, even if it's in the form of going and getting your nails done or things like that. I think as females, I'm a mom, so I know I hardly ever, like, you're lucky my hair looks like this today, or else, you know what I mean? Like, it's just chasing around a five-year-old all day. I want to talk a little bit about early detection before we get into the other stories. Tell me a little bit about what age women should start going in for these exams or talking about self-exams and really what that looks like. I don't think it's ever too early to start self-exams. I think some of the portraits of Hope this year weren't even 40 yet. They discovered cancer in her breast. So I don't think it's too early for self-examination. The mammograms are supposed to start at 40. Yeah, we want women to have access to mammograms starting at 40. You know, they they do really talk at 45 is when you definitely need to make sure that you're getting them. But you should talk to your doctor about it. If you're at average risk, that's what the age recommendation is. But, you know, some people may have genetic dispositions. So you really need to start talking to your doctor about what's right for you and when you need to get your mammograms. I would encourage you not to wait till you're 55. I would encourage you to do it. Yes, lesson learned. I would encourage you to do it when it's time to do it. Because the doctors, my OB had been talking to me about mammograms from the time I was 40. I'd make an appointment, cancel it. I'd make an appointment, cancel it. Because it wasn't a top priority. But at 55, if I hadn't gone at 55 and waited, the outcome could have been a lot different. So I wouldn't encourage you to wait till 55. I would encourage you to do it at 40. And I know a lot of people say, my insurance won't pay for it or I can't afford it. There are a lot of resources. Um, American Cancer Society, if you call that 800 number, they can direct you to resources that will help you cover the cost of a mammogram. Some of uh, my sorority has a mammogram, a mobile unit. And so you can always find resources to help cover that cost or provide it at no cost so that you can okay. get that done. And I just want to add to that point that there it is never too early to start the self-check. I am a mother of three girls and a son, and I, I taught them at an early age. Nobody knows your body better than you should know your body. So even before you have real breast you should know when something doesn't feel right. You know, I taught them how to check for that in the, in the shower and when they're by themselves. You need to know your body and you shouldn't be ashamed of trying to check, you know, trying to understand what is foreign and what is not. So I think that's really an important point. The second thing is, I think as women, we have to speak up and start to advocate for insurance companies to mandate payment of mammograms and issues that more often than not affect women. 
Yeah. And fortunately, we do have a law in Missouri that does require the insurance companies regulated by the state to cover mammography. But, you know, there's always details about Mm -hmm. that. So if you're not getting coverage, you know, I would encourage you to maybe check with them about what the coverage is on your insurance plan. One program that we always advocate for at the state level is the Show Me Healthy Women program. And that's a program for women that are uninsured and meet the income requirements so that they can have access to mammography. One good thing about that program, if you're diagnosed through it, there is then coverage for treatment. So that's just a great resource to be aware of. As Jan mentioned, you know, you can call the 1-800 number for the American Cancer Society, but also the Show Me Healthy Women program has a 1-800 number. And if you call 866-726-9926, they can tell you where there's a provider around you. As I said, there are age and eligibility restrictions there. Uh, It is a good resource for people that might not have insurance that want to make sure that they are getting checked. Let's take a quick break and talk a little bit more about the American Cancer Society. Join the fight against cancer. When you donate to the American Cancer Society, you're helping save lives through groundbreaking research and early detection. You're providing patients, family, and caregivers with access to 24-7 helpline for answers and support. Learn more at cancer.org. That's absolutely a huge concern for a lot of women. I mean, really just speaking in Kansas City, just being under and uninsured um, and just really needing to have access to these services. So I think that's very important to know. Now, is that also that is that information also available on your website? If you go to cancer.org and reach out to them, they can share with you the resources in Missouri. But the Show Me Healthy Women program, their specific information is on the State Department of Health's website. Okay. And, and that's where you can kind of see a map of providers. So, so that's a good resource too. Uh, I also want to mention, I know we're focusing on breast cancer here with some of the survivors, but that program also provides PAP tests for women. Okay. Cervical cancer is also unfortunately an issue and want to make sure that people are aware that that's a resource there too. Let's dive a little bit more into our personal stories. Bridget, would you like to tell us a little bit about your journey? So my journey is sort of different. We have no history of breast cancer in our family. I we've gone back th- through generations and there's there was no sign of breast cancer in our family at all on either my mother or my father's side of the family. I did regular mammograms starting at the age of 40. Did regular self checks. I want to say it was November 2015. I went in for my annual mammogram. I remember the the lady at the desk saying, do you want a 3D mammogram? The insurance doesn't pay for it, but, you know, it's only $35 extra. And I said, why would I pay an extra $35? I don't have breast cancer. And it doesn't run in the family. So I said, no. So I go in, have the, the mammogram. The technician said, after the mammogram, she said, again, you, we know you have very dense breasts. But we're going to call your doctor to get the okay to do a 3D mammogram. And I was thinking, why? She said, well, you know, they're very dense, and so we just want to get a closer look. So the very next day, I get a call from the nurse at my doctor's office, and she says, they want to take a closer look. We're going to get you in tomorrow. So I said, okay. 
So I go back in, they do the 3D mammogram. After that, the technician comes back and she says, we see something, we think we're gonna need to go in and do a biopsy. And I'm still in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? Because in my mind, it could not have been cancer. They're just going to biopsy this dense stuff. And so I said, okay. And she looks at me and she says, it might be cancer. So they call, this is Friday. They call Friday afternoon to get me in on Tuesday. And I'm thinking, why is this moving so fast? So I go in on Tuesday. I tell my husband they, they see something and... They're going to do this biopsy. And I'm, I'm thinking I can drive myself. He's like, no, I'm going. So I go in to have my biops, the biopsy. Well, then they find another one during the course of the biopsy. They biopsy both of the tumors. The Dr. Nablock then comes in, Dr. Tammy Nablock with St. Luke's, who's a wonderful, wonderful um, doctor, comes in and says, by all looks of this, I'm 99% sure it's cancer. You know, by then I'm like in shock. It's like an out-of-body experience to actually hear the words that you had, we're pretty sure you have cancer. So I'm in the room and I'm crying, not because I have cancer, but I think it was just the shock of it all. So my first thought was, you're going to beat this, but how do I tell my kids? How do I tell my husband? How do I tell my kids? I'm the oldest of seven. How do I tell my mom? How do I tell, yes. How do I tell all seven of my siblings? You know, how in my mind do I wrap myself around this and take care of everything else? And then I have this big old job. So how do I deal with that part of it as well? You know, I'm kind of going through the motions the rest of the week. That Friday, I was at my son's basketball game. So I step out and it was the the doctor saying, I didn't want you to go through the weekend worrying, but it is malignant and we need to move fast. It's an aggressive type of cancer. And I remember from that point on, it's like, it was like a complete blur. It was, you know, you're meeting with the, the surgeon, you're meeting with the oncologist, you're meeting with the, you know, the the reconstructive, reconstructive oh. doctor. <laughs> I was like, you know, the one who make them pretty. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was just the magicians, yes. And I'm thinking, ooh, they're not going to point south anymore. They're actually going to go east and west like I like them. And so the direction I'm pointing. So, um, but I remember thinking how, okay, how do I get my mind around all this? And at the same time, I was in school getting a master's degree. So how do I deal with with all these competing issues? And uh, so I told my husband at the game, he was sitting beside me, you know, it is cancer, it is malignant, and I got to go. I got to get some air. But what I learned through this process is, one, the tumors were where I never would have felt them. So, it, it you know, one, it makes the case that the mammograms are very, very important to our overall well-being. And two, it is okay to take care of yourself. It is okay to step back and say, you know, let me look at this from a well-being perspective. If I'm not healthy, how can I take care of anyone else? You know, you need to move from a position of it really is this this really is about me. 
And so I remember telling each one of the children individually and them having very different reactions. One was, I feel like I need to go get a mammogram myself. I mean, what's going on with me? One went into a caretaker mode. I'm going to go to every appointment with you so I know how to take care of you. The third was, mom, you're going to be okay. You got this. So she was more the cheerleader. Let's, you know, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And then the only, the, the son was like, you're going to die. And how am I going to live this life without you? So it was like four very different reactions, but all in a caring way from the position that they were at at that moment in time. So I had the, I had the surgery and I remember what made me feel better was being an advocate and a resource for the people that I met along the way who were going through the same thing. And it's amazing how once you become public with your own story, the stories that come back to you and the things that people are going through at that moment that allow them the peace and the confidence to start telling their story and you to be able to to speak life into them. And that's sort of what helped me get through the process. So I did end up having to have radiation also. It was a type of cancer that chemo would not have made a difference, but radiation did help. So I didn't stop my master's program. They worked with me. So I'm working. I've had the surgery. I'm working. I'm going through radiation and I'm going to school, which kept my mind busy. And I'm talking to people who are going through it to encourage them. The hardest part for me was when all the treatment was done. Because then it was like, I didn't have anything to do. And what's next? What if, what if there's more cancer there? And the, the doctor's appointments were only every six months. And now they're a year. So I'm three years into the post-treatment. Mine was a hormone-fed cancer. The medicine that I'm still taking to strip. Estrogen. Estrogen out of, <laughs> it was an estrogen-fed cancer. So just dealing with the estrogen being stripped, you know, I'm not, I wasn't going through menopause. I was still in my 40s. Well, I was still in my 40s. Then you're, they're throwing you into menopause, the hot flashes and dealing with just all those body changes. And it affects not only the way you look at life. For me, it affected what's important, what's most important. I choose my battles. You know, everything is not worth fighting for. It also affected in many ways my confidence in my body. So it was like, you know, when you're talking about you, how you and your spouse interact with each other, it's a very different conversation after going through something like that. It is a process and thankfully my husband allowed me the space and the time to actually deal with my own internal emotions and work through what I had to work through to get back to a space where I'm okay. But that takes time. And you have to give yourself permission to take the time, regardless of who might be offended by it or Mm -hmm. not supportive of it. It was a journey and I agree it saved my life from many different perspectives. It, It made me aware that I am not superhuman. And even I, 
who am Wonder Bridget need to step back and sleep at night. It's a journey that I would not have changed for the world, but it was also a very hard journey. So thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that so much. And that was Joni Wickham, Bridget Williams, Emily Calmer, and Jan Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Orozco. Mm-hmm.